Right. Amen. Amen. Yeah, that is a blessing. I was listening to it, kind of tearing up a little bit. Well, it's really sad, and again, I know Brother Glenn has a heart, where we all should have, but I know Brother Glenn is really tender about folks going to heaven and brings it out into Sunday school and uh, thinking about dad, I told uh, my son that I'm getting ready to preach. I left my phone with mom. If my father dies or if some major decision needs to be making, just a call. If he dies, I just told Lisa, I said, I'll just acknowledge and keep on preaching. He said, that sounds cold. Well, I can't do nothing about it. As it is appointed and a man wants to die, it's an appointment that we're all going to keep. Brother Chris read the text this morning in Ephesians, I mean Ecclesiastes chapter 3. There is a time to die, a time to be born, and a time to die. We're all going to have that time to die. You know, and I got to thinking about my, like, just kind of the same thought line that Jennifer, as we were singing that last song, Jennifer was testifying of. You know, there's the old song, the old, about that family circle being broken. And that's your immediate family, your, your bloodline, your blood family. Will that circle be broken? Will we get to heaven and look around and say, oh, this one didn't make it, this one didn't make it. And the sadness that will come when we realize that they didn't make it. But on this side of life, I'm looking, thinking about my dad based on if, you know, based on the church he went to, if he put his, his faith in baptismal waters... Based on the doctrine that his church teaches, I will not see my dad in heaven. And what's really sad about it is when he, if he comes down to this time of his life, his mind with Alzheimer's is totally wiped away. That he would not be able to receive a gospel witness if I was sitting there next to him right now. He cannot, he cannot comprehend that. Which brings me to this, all the more reason if the Holy Spirit of God deals with you while you have comprehension to understand and he gives you the ability to, to understand the gospel and to believe the gospel, don't bank on another day. Don't say, I'll put it off. I'll, I'll just live my life until my deathbed and then I'll get saved. You don't know. You could get out here and we pulling out, pulling out of the parking lot, die. A car hitting you. You don't. You don't have any any hope for tomorrow. The next minute, we we've all had those phone calls. They, we've called the ambulance to our loved one, and then in the next two hours or so, they're gone. You know, I got the phone call this morning. He had had the seizure, and they're sending him to the hospital. He's had a seizure since we've been at the hospital. You never know. And if the Holy Spirit speaks to you, don't delay. Don't delay. Go to heaven and have a good testimony that, that your family behind knows that you're going to heaven. I've preached funerals. 
I've told it before. One woman says the only in her lifetime, she just said anything about religion. My daddy helped lay the brick on the Nazarene church there in town. And that was what she was banking on, I guess, because daddy did good for the Nazarene church. Then I guess she was going to get in on that too. But that doesn't work that way according to this book. No hope. No hope. Ephesians chapter number 6. That's my announcements this morning. I said last night, people's already testified of the Lord working in hearts, and I, and I thank God for you. Should I mean, there's lots of times I'm, I'm down there just praising the Lord in spirit over in my little corner, being a creeper. No, just that you had to be there. Over in my corner, just hearing conversations, hearing things, you know, testimony of Brother Chris coming back of what the Lord was working in his heart to do. Amen. Hearing testimonies among, in just discussion among Josh and Jennifer of what the Lord was working in their heart and seeing that down there at camp. And I'm just rejoicing, you know, just kind of in my own little corner, internally rejoicing thanking the Lord, but then asking God for wisdom to build upon what we got at camp. To build upon what we got at camp so we can go forward. And in a lot of the preaching, if you were at camp, you understand it was either about salvation and there was people that was, that was there that was lost and they needed to move and there was people on the altar at times some little, little girls troubled in their soul, an older woman, I think, but then it was a lot about the home, a lot about our, our homes and our family and, and, and just what, what we're facing in our homes in the future in America, what we're facing in our churches in the future in America, and, um, you know, potentially some hard times. And, you know, a little bit was about the warfare, and again, I was praying and asking God to allow me to build, to take what was preached last week, and build upon for the church in what we're going forward to. So I was directed here to Ephesians chapter 6, and we'll probably over the next several, until I get through with it, Sunday morning, Sunday night, maybe even Wednesday night, as the Lord directs, just deal with Ephesians chapter 6 through the armor. We're not going to get to the armor tonight, today, but through the armor of God. Because we're at a good place in, in our first Peter, because we just ended chapter 3, and, and, and so we're not starting a new chapter there. And so I felt directed to do this. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. I will go ahead and read through the armor. Ephesians chapter 6, verse number 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, because we wrestle against principalities and powers, uh, and powers against the rulers of darkness of this world, because we wrestle against spiritual wickedness in high places, that wherefore, let me go back and look what it's there for while I'm getting ready to write to you, wherefore... Take unto you the whole armor of God, 
that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand. Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having the breastplate of righteousness, on, having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Let's put off reading right there. Heavenly Father, Lord, I want to thank you and praise you for the privilege to stand. Thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to bring the word of God. And I pray, thanking you, Lord, for your direction. And I pray and ask that you will help our church, Lord, to build upon what we received at camp. I know Brother Tim wasn't there, and, uh, but I know he's heard. And I ask and pray that you will just uh, just move among us and help us, Lord, as in, the, in the things that we're facing as a church, the things that we're facing as a home, our homes, and the things we're facing as individuals, Lord, in the, in the days to come. I ask and pray that you'll just guide and direct in the message. May the Holy Spirit of God have free course in every heart. May we not quench or grieve the Holy Spirit. Uh, I pray, Lord, to the one here that's lost, that you would open their eyes, that you give them understanding of the gospel and these truths that was preached, taught even in the Sunday school hour, Lord, has been preached and taught, Lord, in the, in the weeks past. I pray that that will open that 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 truth will enter into their heart and they'll come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior. We ask and pray these things in Christ's name and for His sake. Amen, amen. and amen. All right. Last week I had to write out my my outline. This week there it is. All right. That's all right. Lisa says short and sweet. <laughs> I'll tell it on her. I don't care. Preach short. I'll preach. But uh, it's not that long necessarily. Uh, I mean, based on what I've got to hear, but I know how wordy I can get. All right, so here we go. I'm just going to deal with verse number ten. That is an introduction to the armor that we're going to that we put on as a as a Christian, and 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 then we we understand and know in verse eleven and twelve what we're up against, and we'll, we'll deal with that end of, We'll deal with those aspects of this Christian warfare a little bit more in detail uh, as we get to that. But here as, he, as the Apostle Paul is ending the letter for the, for the young people's sakes, <laughs> the letter to the Romans and the first Corinthians, so the, this is an epistle. That's why I explained to him when we went over the, the New Testament song back there in their Sunday school class. This is a letter to the church at Ephesus. Okay, and so the letter to the church. So we could have received, we're at Sooner Rose Baptist Church, if the Apostle Paul had something to do with the start of this church, you know, maybe he had a tent meeting, he come to Oklahoma City area, Midwest City, he had a tent meeting, folks got saved, and there was a group of people he, he got a church going with, and uh, Brother Meyer was along the way, and and he set Brother Meyer up as the elder of the church, and he went on his way. The church was established. He evangelized the lost. A church was established. An elder was ordained, set into the church, 
and sooner Rose Baptist Church come into existence, then he, as a, as a, as a missionary evangelist, we want to put it that way, went on down the road to start other churches, a church planner. He had a heart for this church. Obviously, he had a, a, a heart for the beginning of this church, in the beginning of this church, and he would care about this church. There was just something internally because he, he knew the people, he knew the beginnings of it, and he had a heart to see the church prosper. And then he would write back, how y'all doing? I've heard this about you. There's some instruction that you might want to look at in what I've been hearing about you. He'd done that in Rome he, for the church at Rome. He'd done that for the church at Corinth. He'd done that for the church at Galatia, for Thessalonica, uh, for Philippi, and Ephesus. And it's what these letters are for. They didn't have the modern-day conveniences of travel that we have where he could jump on a plane in a few hours, be in all of those places. Or jump, jump in a vehicle in a few hours, be in all of those places. They had to walk where they went or get a boat. So they would write letters, though, and send them by conveyance. And he's ending this letter to the Ephesian church, and he says, finally, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I said it last night, I said it at the beginning of the day, when we receive instruction and we receive victory and the Lord puts into our hearts to do things, whether as individuals or as homes, as we've already discussed and heard that people have done, then there will be an attack against what God wants you to do and what you have 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 purposed in your heart to do according to the will of God, there will be an attack of the flesh that was discussed and has been discussed in the last two weeks in Romans chapter number eight, 7 and 8. That flesh will rise up. Amen. You purpose and you hear the preached word of God through the several messages in camp. You say, yes, I'm going to do that. And then the flesh will say, are you sure about that? Brother Chris talks about, just talking about doing away with his second job and, and having his evenings back. And it wouldn't surprise me, Brother Chris, something will happen and you have this bill and the devil will say, you done away with your second job. You sure could have used that money now, big boy. Amen. Now, that's the way he works. We're going to see that. And he works in the mind. You purpose in your heart to do, and we're going to see that too here in a second. Purpose in your heart to do something, and, and then the flesh will bring up, the, it'll question itself. Are you sure? You sure God told you to do that? You sure God's in that? You, what will people think about you if you do that? Your family going to think you're crazy. If you follow the preaching that you heard at camp. Follow the teaching and the precepts of the Word of God. And, you, and it's gonna, it's gonna, the flesh is going to rise up. The devil's going to rise up. All these principalities. It's going to rise up. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord. And in the power of his might. Here it is. You need to be strong in the Word of God. 
Let's turn to Acts chapter 20. You might just keep your places there because we'll, we'll be back in Ephesians. But Acts chapter 20, I was reminded. There it is. It's amazing. A little pebble that size under your foot will distract you. All right, so Acts chapter 20, I was reminded that this was this that Paul had called the elders of Ephesus to him. And he addressed them at the end of this chapter before he was to take into Rome eventually here in the next several chapters. But he tells them that he, they will never see his face again, which saddened those elders from Ephesus. Again, he had a heart for all those churches that he... That he went into, and, I, and if you have, in my study Bible, let's just put it way. In my study Bible, Schofield study Bible, in the center column between the, the text of the scripture at the top, they'll have a B.C. or an A.D., and they'll have a time. So Acts 20, according to Usher, Mr. Schofield used Usher's chronology. That's not inspired, but it does give you a good... I mean, it's a studied man, a man that took, took what he knew, he, the resources that he had, and he put a timeline together. Any of us could do the same. We could take historical documents. We could take the Word of God as he goes through the genealogies. You know that Adam lived so many hundreds of years and died and so on and so forth. And he took that, and he's taken that. He made a timeline. Again, it's not, it's not uh, yeah. What was the word I used just a second ago? It's not inspired, but a man did study and we can use his tools to kind of get an idea. According to Usher in his study, not inspired, but according to a man, in his study he puts Romans cha- I'm sorry, Acts chapter 20 at AD 60, 60 years after the Lord was taken, or after, after the Lord come to the earth earth. Because AD doesn't mean after death. A lot of people think so. It's Latin, ante delineum. In other words, before Christ, but ante delineum was at his birth. So from the, the birth of Christ forward, 60 years, is when Acts chapter number 20 approximately was written. In our text in Ephesians, it was four years later. So we see here Paul telling the elders at Ephesus, look, you'll never see me again. And then he goes on to Rome and he writes that letter back to the Ephesian church. So you kind of understand the timeline and how this thing transpires. Acts chapter 20, verse number 28, he tells the, the, the uh, Ephesian elders, because we see that here. Verse number 17, from Elias he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church. And when they were come to him, he said to them, Ye know from the first day that I came into, into Asia, after what manner I have been with you at all, this, at all seasons, serving the Lord with all humility, verse number 19, of mind, and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying of weight of the Jews, and how I kept nothing back that was how I kept back nothing that was profitable unto you, but have showed you and have taught you publicly. And from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and also to the Greeks, 
repentance toward God and faith toward our Lord Jesus Christ. And, how be, and now behold, I go bound in the spirit into Jerusalem, not knowing the things that, ye, that shall befall me there, save the Holy Ghost witnesseth in every city, saying that bonds and afflictions abide me. But none of these things move me, neither I count, neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus to testify the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that ye all, he's talking to the Ephesian elders, among whom I have gone preaching, the kingdom of God shall see my face no more. Wherefore I take you to record this day that I am pure from the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare unto you all the counsel of God. And then he gives a warning to the Ephesian church, to the elders, to the preachers. They're at the, at the church in Ephesus. Take heed therefore unto yourselves and to all the flock over which the Holy Ghost hath made you overseers to feed the church of God, which he hath purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departing shall grievous wolves enter in among you, not sparing the flock. Also of your own selves shall men arise, speaking perverse things to draw away disciples after them. He knows, he knows these wolves and then these false teachers are going to rise up and he warns them. He says, I'm not going to be there. I'm warning you as an elder of the church to feed the flock because these are going to happen. Therefore, watch and remember that by the space of three years I cease not to warn everyone night and day with tears. And now, brethren... I commend you to God and to the word of his grace which is able to build you up and to give you an inheritance among all them which are sanctified. And I'm just going well, let me just touch and now I'm going to keep on reading with a little side note. We're to be strong in the word of God. Verse number 28, he says, feed the flock. What are they, what are they feeding the flock? And he says there in verse number 32, I commend you to God and to the word of his grace. You know, one of the things down there that was mentioned, and in, in not sometimes directly and most of the time indirectly, but being more of what we could be in the word. One of the things that was pointed out by, I think, Brother Kirkman a couple of different times or somebody a couple of different times was the passage there, as we all know, James 1, verse 22, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. And he talked about John, about following, keeping his commandments and the commandments not being grievous to us. Well, what is the commandments? It's the word of God. You know, following him you know, in word and in deed. But that's doing the word, doing those commandments, doing those precepts that set forth. You say, well, that's so against 2022. Yes, it is. And that's why your family's going to tell you you're crazy. Your family might accuse you of being uh, pharisaical. You're not pharisaical. You're following God's word. 
You're not pharisaical. You're trying to raise your children upright. You're homeschooling? Don't you know? You're going to hear this. You're going to hear this. I guarantee you're going to hear it. Don't you know that the, that the children need socializing? Socializing? You're, you're keeping them away from all that. Don't you know that the, that the way they interact with, what, just bring them to church. They'll interact with other children their age. Go to Fifth Sunday. There's a gazillion children to interact with down there. And what's wrong with interacting with adults? We homeschooled our children. And, you know, I was involved. I know. You're not supposed to say this. I was involved. I was involved with the Republican Party back in Kentucky. Went to a few of their fundraisers. And I took all seven of my youngins. They said, you did. In fact, first time I walked in, I thought the whole Republican, the county Republican Party was going to swallow their teeth. I really did. They thought, oh, no, kids at a, at a Republican fundraiser. But my boys had shirts and ties on. Got to shake hands with the senator. Got to shake hands with the, uh, the representative. They said, yes, sir, no, sir. Yes, ma'am, and no, ma'am, when they were addressed. When people was talking, they sat like they did in church. They were quiet and they listened. Social, social socializing. They, they got to socialize with the senator. They got to socialize with the federal representative. They got to socialize with doctors. They got to socialize with lawyers. They're local lawyers. It was a part of the party. And, and, and they interacted with them, and, and they taught some interaction. Nothing wrong with that. But, but the, the world will say, oh, no, they got to be peer, you know, socialized with the peer. Why? What's wrong with socializing among the family? I understand. But you're going to hear that. You're going to be attacked because you take a stand. That's what we're talking about. Be strong. Be strong in the word. Follow the precepts that are in the word. When they say put away those things in his letters to the churches, then put those things away in this church. Put those things away in your life. When he says to put on some things to these churches in the word of God, put on some things in this church. Put on some things in your life. Follow the word of God. Follow the precepts. Be strong in the word. But to be strong in the word, we've got to read the word. We've got to know what it says. And just like it's been pointed out, just because you didn't see the speed limit sign that says 55, I, you know, it's a country road. I didn't know what the speed limit was on this road. I didn't see a sign. But you got pulled over. Not seeing the sign is no excuse. That speed limit on that road is still that, and you will still pay that ticket. Not knowing the word of God, <laughs> because you only open it up on Sunday morning and Wednesday night, is no excuse for you not knowing, because you've got it available. I oftentimes... In fact, since I've been here, and we had some questions as far as our church and what, how we to register and so on and so forth. 
I'll just look it up in the law. I can read. And it's available. And I looked it up. And that's the way we operate. And here's the word. When you stand before God, he says, why didn't you do this? I didn't know it was in your word, Lord. That's no excuse. I didn't know I was supposed to be doing that, Lord. No excuse. He said, you had a book. You had my word. You had it. It's on your coffee table. It's on your end table. And when we get down here in Ephesians, later on down in, into the, the actual armor itself, and we get down to the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, which is the Word of God, it says it is. Think about that sword. It's two-edged, double-edged sword. We'll get all about the sword, but it's everything in the armor of God is defensive. It protects you, except for the Word of God. It can be defensive, but it can be offensive as well. That's the weapon, the Word of God. You can defend yourself with it, just like Christ did when he was tempted in the wilderness of the devil. He defended himself, but then in the same defense, it was an offense. <laughs> he, he cut the devil back. The devil only wanted to use a little part of it. He said, no, 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 get the whole story there. And he used the whole, the whole word, and he was able to defend the attack by offense. And that's what the word of God does. But how are we going to use it if we don't know it? So we need to all, now I'm just talking about just individually. One of the things that God dealt with me down there, I just tell it publicly, is a family altar. She reads her word and I read mine, but reading it together. She brought back that orange ottoman of Brother Hall's from Kentucky and let's use that together. As a family altar, I remember when I was raising my children, there was a period of time, and I got away from it, there was a period of time that we would go around the room. And it helps them, helps them in their reading. And we would take a passage, and we would read two or three verses apiece around the room. And we'd discuss it, and we would pray there in the living room. But we would read it as a family. We would pray as a family. And then another thing got me when he hit when he hit old Gomer Powell. I'm like, what's wrong with Andy Griffith? What's wrong with Gomer Powell? Except that Gomer Powell was a homosexual. Jim neighbors. And when he said, You're pulling it right back in your living room, I'm like, ouch. You know, I got to thinking about the things we started. I, I, I got the TV back when I moved here because of the weather. You know how easy this is the flesh. I'm just preaching. I'm just, I need a TV because of, you know, the weather out there. It's terrible. And my job needs to keep up with the weather. And we don't have cable. I hadn't had cable. Television. I haven't had cable television since 1900. 
and 91. 30 years? I haven't paid for television in 30 years. In fact, I didn't have a television at all in my home for many of those 30 years. None. Zero. Zilch. And then we got the computer. And then we realized that the computer, you could put a CD in, DVD in, and watch. So we'd watch things on the computer. And you know how this is how the flesh works? Since we're watching things on the computer, let's just get a small TV that can be hooked in as a monitor for the computer. You know, you got to homeschool people. <laughs> got to watch those videos for homeschool, right? Bigger monitor. So now we've got a bigger monitor, we can put more DVDs in to watch them. But I still didn't have any TV whatsoever, not even, not even antenna TV until I moved out here. So I moved out here, get in, get, go up to Walmart, get me a 1995 little stick-on antenna to pull in the local stations for the weather. <laughs> and then you do the scan to get those stations, and you're like, what? I can get approximately 60-some-odd stations? Of course, some of them are in Spanish. I don't know what they're saying. And all those religious stations, which I don't watch. But I can get all these stations. Oh, look at them old shows I remember growing up. <laughs> like Gomer Pyle. And when he hit that, about pumping that stuff in, well, we, and then we get to watching some of the modern shows. And one of the things of the modern shows, the things that Hollywood wants to bring into your home, I could name you the names of the shows. They all seem to conveniently have that character that's LGBTQ+, whatever, 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 whatever. And it's blatant in your face. It shows their relationship. It actually shows them kissing. And Lisa and I will cover our eyes when they see that. Well, why even have it? You know, and our, well, we're adults. We don't have kids in the home anymore. But why even have it pumping into my home? Did you know when you watch it, they got all the computer and the data and the whatever, whatever, that says you're watching it? You know how shows stay on the air season after season after season after season is because they know people's watching it. They know it's popular. Did you know if you'll turn it off and enough people turn it off, enough Christians will turn it off, they'll say, that's not popular. We need to do something different. But too many of the Christians keep pumping it in. Even if it's just noise in the background, it's on your television and they are seeing somebody is watching this. That's the way it works. Must be popular. We're going to keep it going. Be strong in the word of God. Be strong in the will of God. He mentioned it. He mentioned it. Turn to Romans where he was at. Romans chapter 7. I seen it while we were there. Verse number 18. I... 
for, and talk about this, the flesh that's going to rise up against you. Be strong against this flesh. Verse number 18, For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing, and I have underlined in my Bible, for to will is present with me. I want to do right, Brother Bell. I, I want to do right, God. The will of God is present, and you need to be strong in the will of God, the word of God and in the will of God concerning you. For I know to will is present with me, but how to perform it, that which, I, uh, uh, that which is good I find not. And we see here that there is this warfare with this flesh here. We're going to see that war in a minute. But we need to be strong in the will of God. The will of God. And you have a will. That's what makes us different from the animals. The fox, the bobcat, the turkey, the name the animal. Within them is instinct. They, it's an instinct to be afraid of humans. That's why you can go out and there's a turkey in your yard and you go, here, little turkey. They're going to run from you. Why? Because the instinct says, you could be a danger to me. Same with the deer. Same with anything else, rabbits, whatever else, squirrels. Instinct says, you might be my enemy, I'm going to run. So animals have instinct built in them, but we, being the crown of his creation, made after his image, have been given a will. I was about to say, when the alarm goes off, beep, beep, beep. But it should already be set. But some of us still struggle. Beep, 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 beep. Are we going to church today? <laughs> you have a will. You can roll over, go back to sleep. Or you can say, I will go to church today. That is something that you have purpose within your body to do that. Amen. It shouldn't even be a question. But you have a will. You could have stayed home this morning. You have a will. You don't have to show up next Sunday. I'm praying that you purpose in your heart that you exercise your will. We, we stood, Roy, in Virginia, right up here. Will you take her? And he said, I will. Will you take him? She said, I will. And here they are. Do you? I do. Do you? I do. All right. But, but there's the I wills. That means I will do this. I will accept the responsibility of my vows and everything that we had here for them. And the first wedding in this church under my, in the pastor here. But that's a purpose within yourself. I will do this. Now, some say I love you purposed in your heart down at camp. Through the priest word of God, the Holy Spirit dealt with you about certain things and you've purposed in your heart, I will. Now, are you going to be strong in that? When the devil gets on your shoulder, when the flesh rises up against you, when the family starts speaking against you, are you going to say, I don't care what you think, flesh? I don't care what you think, devil. I don't care what you think, family. I will. 
Be strong in my will. You, just using a year ago, Tyler. You see, you see, and, and even Millie at the time, at times, and other kids. And I'm not saying just they're here, and you know, come on, Johnny, and they they stiffen up. Oh, he's just strong-willed. She's just strong-willed. No, they're rebellious. And there's a way to fix that. <laughs> but, but like that, when the devil comes up against you or the flesh comes up against you or your family, be like that. Be strong-willed, but do it in the Lord. I will follow the precepts. I will teach my family. I will change those things that God has put in my heart and my family to change. Be strong in the Word. Be strong in His will. Line it up with His will. Be strong in the work of God. Ephesians chapter 4. Verse number 11, and he gave some, apo- some apostles, and some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. Don't let Mr. Schofield mess you up there because it, the sentence goes on. <laughs> All right? So he gave these gifts to the church. He's talking to the Ephesians. He's talking to the church here. He says, I gave you apostles, and I gave you uh, prophets, and I gave you evangelists, and pastors, and teachers. Why did I give you these gifts? For the perfecting of its saints, for the work of the ministry. It was addressed down there, I think, in Brother Kirtman's teachings, for those that were there. There's been a whole lot of overboard when it comes to pastoral authority, which I want to point out in a second, to the point where the church says, fine, do it. And some of these churches have, the only one that's doing anything in the church is the pastor. But he says, I gave you a pastor, in verse number 11, for the perfecting of the saints that we might preach to you We might see your growth. We might see you exercising the will of God, putting those precepts in your life. We're seeing you coming off the milk of the Word of God, starting to chew on some some meat and potatoes, praise God, of the Word of God. Grow. And as you grow, then you can work. One of the things I told Jennifer, and I've told Marquis this too, I'm telling the whole church this, so you're on board with me. This last Sunday when Jennifer had to leave with Josh to go get their tire fixed, she wasn't there to corral them up the hallway when they kind of got loose. Then I corralled them, and I directed them all to the, to the fellowship hall and I said, line up and sit down. And they, they sit down. And they sit quietly. 
until it was time to eat. Brother Kurtman mentioned, when you they're big enough, give them something to do. That'll keep them busy. It'll teach them. Millie was sitting next to me, and she had Cheetos, and she had Cheetos all you know, Cheeto dust, good stuff. Cheeto dust all over her fingers, and I gave her a napkin. Uh, so we, we ate a few Cheetos together, and then she had the Cheeto dust, and I said, now here, you can take the napkin and wipe your fingers like this. And she took a napkin and wiped her fingers like I was showing her. I said, no, we're going to wipe our mouth. And she wiped her mouth. And I said, no, we're going to put our napkin back here so it's ready for the next time. And she put her napkin down so it's ready for the next time. So I said, in the future, start next Sunday, we're going to remove at the end of each, I'll give them something to do, at the end of each meal, we're going to take the salt shakers and the napkin holders off the tables, and we're going to park them in a single place. And while our ladies are getting the food and stuff ready on the table, it's going to be the children's jobs to help us out to put the to dis- redistribute the napkin holders and redistribute the salt and pepper shakers every meal. That teaches them service. That keeps them from running around like they ain't supposed to be doing. And then when they do that, then they know that their part's done and they can sit and wait just like they did last week. Ain't nothing wrong with that. And then after service, after the meal's over with, to, to allow people to wipe the tables off, they can take them and put them back where they got them in the first place. And then when we got visiting children, like sometimes comes, they can join in. And our children can be the leaders in that. It'll work. Amen. The work. The work of the ministry. Now, I wouldn't expect Tyler to go mow the yard out here. <laughs> Although he'd probably like to. <laughs> but it gives him a work to do. At, at his ability and level to do it. And then as you grow, you do more work of the ministry. You know, you wipe that table off. You pull the trash you put the food out, etc., etc., etc. So we need to be strong in the work of the ministry. He's strong in the word of God, the will of God, the work of God. And James 1.22 ties that together. We done read it. Be ye doers of the word. There's that work, doer. And not hearers only. And then we need to be strong in the war of God. War, we're in Ephesians chapter 6. We wouldn't have armor if we wasn't warring, right? We see that in verse number 12, where we wrestle not against, so there's a wrestling. <laughs> so with the war, warfare too. But we see that war. Oh, let's just read it, 12 and 13. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Back in the Romans chapter 7, he, Paul, writing to them, uses the word war, verse number 23. But I see another law in my members. It says, verse 22, I delight, for I delight in the law of God after the inward man. So there's 
there's they going back to the word of God, be strong in the word, be strong in the will. I, 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 I for to will is present. That delight is present with me. But I see another law in my members, warring. It's not just, it's not just a, a it's not just a, a athletic contest. You know, it's not a football game, basketball game, volleyball game. I know they play volleyball down there. It's not just a game, a contest, you know, of two teams at the end, and who gets the most points. This is a war. It's different. The, 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 the results is greater. The ramifications are greater in a war than they are in a contest. All right, we go play football. We wrestle. Josh's son, Ethan, wrestles. Jesse did the BJJ thing. He goes to these contests. You meet your opponent. And then as the contest, there's the brackets. And as you, as you win, you move up on your bracket until he comes maybe to the final contest. And you war again. You, or you compete again is a better word. You compete again. And then at the end of the day, you have your first, second, third trophies. Everybody else don't. And that's your reward. The ramifications at the end of the day are not great. You go to the Ukraine, it's different. You've got two sides. They're not in a contest that at the end of the day somebody won and somebody didn't. And yes, that kind of sort of is there, except there's casualties in a war. People die in a war. People suffer in a war. And that's not just the two, the two sets of soldiers that are, that are in, in the conflict. There's, there's all the families. There's the, the citizenry of the, of the countries that are suffering. So war has greater um, ramifications. I can't get another word out. Greater ramifications, greater results at the end of the day. And we need to, and, and there's a war going on here, and he tells us who we're up against. Not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Now there is a warring in the flesh, but this is this is not this is flesh other than our flesh that he's talking about here in Ephesians. He's talking about our flesh there in Romans chapter 7. So there's a warfare with our flesh, but then outside of our flesh, there's a war against the principalities and powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual weakness in high places. A warfare. How we, how we fight this war will affect, maybe it's daddies. Daddies was hitting hard down there, boys. Woo! In camp. Fathers. Fathers, you are the husband of the home. You are the leader of the home. You are the protector of the home. You are, have your family behind you. 
you got the sword of the, the armor of God we're going to talk about, and you got the sword of the Spirit, and you're battling the war is against you and the powers, the principalities, the powers, and everything that we fight against there. But the ramifications, the effects, it's not just against you, even though you might be actively in the battle, it's going to affect your wife. It's going to affect your children. So husbands, be strong. Fathers, be strong. Others are going to be affected by how you fight the battle. We can just bring it on down to mama. You're at home with the youngins most of the day while daddy goes off to work. Your warfare on your knees, God giving you wisdom to instruct your children, is going to affect your children and your home. Be strong in the word of God which is that sword of the Spirit. Be strong in the will of God. If he tells you to do it, get rid of it or get it. Or go this way or go that way. Be strong in the will of God. A lot of people will come to the pastor and say, what is the will of God for my life? I do not know. I can point, <laughs> Brother Chris, I didn't know this. <laughs> Brother Chris is like, go to Brother Bell. He'll give you six different choices. I'm not giving you choices. I'm just saying, I'm not going to pick your will. I stood and talked with a, a lady right here at the end of our meeting after having opportunity to say that she was saved because everybody else was testifying to their salvation. She come over to me and she said, what do I do next? I said, what do you mean? What do you do next? She wanted me to tell her she was saved. We get to put her in the water and all that other good stuff. I don't know that she's saved based on her attendance here or other fruits in her life. But that being said, she wanted me to tell her that. And I'm not, I don't know her heart. Only she can tell me she's saved. And I don't know God's will specifically for your life. I can tell you what the Word of God says about if you make this decision, what, what some of the pitfalls might be. Benefits and pitfalls, I can tell you the benefits if you go this direction based on the word of God and, and life and life experience helps me as a pastor to be able to do that. I can say, well, when my child or when a person I knew did, took this route, this is what happened to them. And I can, give you some, some, I can give you some information that you can draw up on, but when it comes down to the will of God for your life, that's between you and God. Amen. I have my opinions too. <laughs> but the bottom line is, at the end of the day, I can give you guidance. End of the day, I'm not answering to God. You are. Amen. And I appreciated what was said down there. So, so many times, and we see that in Acts chapter 20, so many times... And in some churches that I know about, and you've experienced, the, too much is given to the man of God as far as being the overseer. And he's just an overseer, not an overlord. But he takes upon himself as overlord, and he tries to overlord the will of God in each individual's home. 
And that's not his place. He can oversee, he can give insight, but when it comes down to it, the man is the head of the home, not the pastor. Ephesians chapter 4. Five. And that's where the men need to be strong in all these things. And for those that don't have a man anymore, you're going, what do we do? God has given you a pastor. And God has given you other men that you can go to and draw some wisdom from and direction from. There's a woman at Island Ford, never has married. And what has she done when it comes to certain decisions of life? Her father died. He was an older man. And he's, he's been dead for years. And she's never married. But she went to Brother Hall and now Brother Shepherd. She goes to him when it comes voting time. She asks him, that she asks her pastors them. She's asked them about financial direction and about financial decisions and, and about, you know, purchasing and about, you know, some things, some things she, they, she doesn't, but voting and, and what's, your, what's your opinion when it comes to this and that and this. And I'm here for you. Not to over... Overlord you, just oversee. There's a war of God. And then that brings us to our communication. Be strong in the word of God, the will of God, the work of God, the war of God, which we're going to get into a little bit more in depth. And the one way to be strong not on top of the word of God, and he ties it all together in verses 17 and 18, is the word of God is that offensive and defensive weapon is the power of prayer. So we need to be strong in the communication with God. That family altar around the word of God and that family altar around the communication with God. Look, if you're looking for direction of your life, that will of God, and then I liked what they said, David, brother uh, Tim is talking about David in our men's Sunday school class, one of the differences between David and Saul that he's already pointed out was, let's inquire of the Lord and see if what he says about it. Where Saul says, let's go down to the witch of Endor, try to grab up Saul. No, that's not right. We're going to go and we're going to see Ephod and we're going to see what God says. Should I go up or should I didn't? It was brought out down in camp. 400 prophets says, yeah, this is the will of God. Nobody, nothing's going to happen to you. And that one, <laughs> the one prophet said, oh, no. It's not, not the way it's going to be. See, he always tells us bad things. But the one king said, look, I want somebody to tell me the truth. The truth is not always what your will says that it wants. But the truth is truth. Let's get God. God, direct me in this. God, give me wisdom. He says if you ask for wisdom, he will give it to you. I pray for wisdom all the time as a pastor. I pray for wisdom as a husband. I pray for wisdom as a father and now a grandfather. Pray for wisdom. 
But you've got to communicate. And when it says pray without ceasing, you say, well, are you in praying all day long? It's you, you can have a spirit of prayer. You can talk with God throughout the day like he's in the truck with you. And it's not the behind-the-veil type of praying. It's just that, that, that cognizant recognition, that, that understanding that you have the indwelling Holy Spirit, and He's there. He's able to hear you. There, there's been a few times in my life that I have been presented with something, just, I mean, like a decision that needs to be made right then. And to be able to understand and know that he already knows about all this, but I'm looking for wisdom to be able to say, God, help me. Lord, you know, just a real quick, guide me. God, guide me in this internally. I was asked about preaching in a non-Baptist church, two of them. And it was one of those deals going, God, is it your will? And then I asked my pastor, and he said, go for it. And I asked the person that invited me, I can preach whatever I want to, right? And he said, yeah, no, no holds barred. Okay. And God opened that door. But it was one of those deals when I was presented, I just needed a real quick, God, are you in this? And the Spirit said, yes, I'm in this. But the will of God, communication, being that praying without ceasing, being that... Like I told about John, I can't think of his last name, Sister Jackie's husband. I had his name, John. I've got it written down on one of my other Bibles. She said, I go, I, I'm in the kitchen, and I hear, some, I hear him talking. He's a blind man. I hear him talking. I think somebody's done come in. I go step out and see who's come in. And it's just John talking with God as if he's sitting in the living room. This kind of communication. He knows that God's present. He just starts talking to him. And, I, and I've seen the, the, the movie Bob Jones University put together years ago about the Methodist circuit ride preacher, Sheffy. And he, he literally had a fleece <laughs> that he lay down, and that was his prayer rug. Not that there was any, any uh, power in that rug. That was just his, his traveling altar that he took with him. He had a fleece of a sheep. Take it off his saddle, and he'd put it down on the ground, and he'd get kneel on it again. No power in the fleece. But he, when, you, when he was, as he was depicted in his prayer, which come from historical accounts, he just talked with God. And to have that much communication, that much, that relationship, which is kind of where I thought about maybe going. I know Sister Debbie's been going through Song of Solomon and, and there is an intimacy. Now, there's the intimacy in the Song of Solomon and in marital that is just, you know, things that gets discussed when the kids are not around. You know, the husband and, husband and wife decisions in the home. The kids are not involved. In fact, some things you just kind of try to keep from your kids until it's time. There's some, some more intimate decisions and discussions that is a little bit more closet praying. You go into the closet and you shut the door. But then there's just communication on a daily basis that you have with your spouse. You know, what's for supper tonight? 
That's one of I don't know. <laughs> I haven't thought that far ahead yet. Or better yet, what's our supper tomorrow? I'm still thinking about tonight. I ain't got <laughs> I'm already got the week's menu planned in my mind. <laughs> but just communication. God, what do you want me to do about this job, this decision? Where do you want me to go today? God, can you guide me to somebody I can testify, witness to? And just talk to him about those things. I've been looking at, looking, and I don't know how, but God's able. I have been starting to consider. Looking at my odometer. <laughs> if he wants me to run it to 500,000 miles, hallelujah, I'll run it to 500,000 miles. He'll have to keep it going. He kept my last one going at 340,000 miles. And it was still strong in the motor and transmission. The body was falling apart when I, tra- when I took it to the junk. I drove it to the junkyard. Said, you got a strong 350 in transmission out here. The body stopped. When I signed it over, and junked it. If he wants me to run it, I'll run it. Until the wheels fall off, I'll run it. But in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, Lord, you know the gas prices and you know how it takes it. That's the flesh. Now, flesh says, yeah, you need to chunk this and get it to something smaller. A bicycle, a scooter. <laughs> but that might not be God's will. And I'm talking with God about it. God, do you want me to run this? Keep running it. You keep it going. If you'll keep it going, I'll keep driving it. Lord, I know that you have put gas in my vehicle before, and you're going to keep putting the gas in my vehicle until you don't. And then I'll walk. Everybody's, you know, we all, you know, filled up to go down to, to, go down to uh, camp. And they're talking about gas prices being higher before the next fifth Sunday. And everybody's already, the flesh is already saying, what about that? Who's in charge? Who's in control? Does he want us at the next fifth Sunday? If he does, he'll provide. Is that the will of God? See, it all ties in together. Ask him. God, is it your will that I go to Fifth Sunday? Okay, if it's your will, then I do that work. If you want to drive down there and be a part of that, then you provide. And then seek it out. Maybe doing a little extra, and maybe just God sending a raven. Here's that gas money you was asking for. I've seen it both ways. I've seen me have to sell something in times past to meet an obligation that I'm obligated to the radio station. Then I have seen God literally drop it from another person's hand into mine, and I took it and I applied it. Seen it, seen it both ways. All right. So that brings me to this. So, yeah, back up. So verse number 10 again. Our text, finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord, here it is, and in the power of his might. If you're gonna if you're gonna if you're gonna be strong in the word and purpose in your heart to get in the word more, if you're gonna be strong in the will toward of, of God for your life, the work of God, the war of God, that power, that connect that communication with him, that power that he speaks of, the power of his might is going to come through the communication with him. 
in prayer. He knows it. He wants to hear it from you, though. He wants to build your faith. God, I don't have money to go to this Sunday. And then just pray about it. And watch God. I'm just saying, don't say nothing to nobody. For those that may be in that or some other need, go and pray secretly and don't say nothing to nobody and watch God reward openly. That's scripture. And when you have that, especially young believers, the first few time, the first time that it ever happens, you're going, it works. <laughs> and then that builds up, it helps you the next time. Just to see God send provisions, them handfuls on purpose. He purposely just drops down. Where'd that come from? I got a check in the mail the other day. I'm like, praise God. That I wasn't expecting. Exercise these things. Be strong in these things. And then we're going to get into, probably look tonight at the next step here. I'll probably verse 11 and maybe get into 12 a little bit. And then we're going to start looking at through these things here. Because look, I'm just telling you. Some things are coming our way as a church. Brother Doug Pitts stood in LaGrange, Georgia with a sign. Uh, God created man, see, God created male and female, or something like that, and had a versus a, a text, Mark 10, something or another, on the, and he stood out there on the rope with that sign. And he put out a prayer that people, prayer requested God would protect him out on, the, out on the street preaching and holding up that sign, trying to be a witness. You know, if, if we took a stand like that, then God would give protection, and, and it's a warfare. Again, if we put out, you know, if I put pride goes before destruction and the Holy Spirit before the fall, and I'm still considering doing that on a sign, the right person sees it, that right person might come in here. And we'd welcome him in, but that person could be in sheep's clothing. Let me grab this real fast. Go back to Romans chapter 10. I want to hit this real quick. That reminded me of that. Bear with me just a minute. I'm sorry, Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 20, where was just that? Acts 20. He's talking about those them wolves, grievous wolves, and people coming up among, from within them. And all that he gave to himself, verse number 32, And now, brethren, I commend to you God, or commend you to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up, and to give you an inheritance among all them that are sanctified. I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. Now, Paul in his writing, and this is a side note, this is extra. Paul in his writings said, and he tells you in just a minute ago, I worked among you to provide myself and those with me our needs. He's talking to Ephesus. But he also writes in letters to, Philippi, to the Philippian church that says, I thank you 
for the gift that you sent by so-and-so to me. And he also writes to the Corinthian church that, that to not muzzle the, ox, the mouth of the ox that treadeth out the corn. Basically, he eats of the corn that he's working to help gather in. And so the principle is there for the man of God and the man of God's principle. I'm, I'm teaching this, trying to teach this to Brother Chris back there. The principle is there that the man of God be taken care of. Yes. However, the, the heart of the man of God should be like this. If you, if you, I'll just point my finger at him, and if I take an appointment to go, and I heard some discussion about this down there. If we take an appointment, we're called and we take an appointment to go preach, God opens an opportunity for us to go minister. When you use the word minister, the minister is the giving out of, the helping of others not the receiving, go, if you have an opportunity to preach, and I have an opportunity to preach, go expecting zero. If, God, if it's God's will for you to be there, he'll provide you to get there, he'll provide you to come back. And even if it's at your own expense, he'll provide that. Look at that right here, verse number 34. Yea, ye yourselves know that these hands, here's the word, have ministered, unto my necessities and to them that were with me. Look, when I worked among you, Ephesus, I paid my way. When I worked among you, Sooner Rose, I appreciate what you give, but I also work a job publicly that provides for my necessities. And I provided not only for my necessities, Paul said, but I provided for those that were with me. So you as a church at Ephesus was not without anything. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring, now he's saying by me doing that, I am ministering to my necessities and those that were with me, but in doing so I'm teaching you, Ephesus. I have showed you all things, how that so laboring ye ought to support the weak and to remember the words of our Lord Jesus, how he said it is more blessed to give than to receive. And when he had thus spoken, he kneeled down and prayed with them all, and they all wept sore and fell on Paul's neck and kissed him, sorrowing most of all for the words which he spake, that they should see his face no more, and they accompanied him to the ship. So look, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. When you go, I, I have been to places that I have not received an offering. I went to a place in northwestern Pennsylvania on a Wednesday night. I had driven probably a good hour, at least an hour, right at an hour, plus or minus 15 minutes or so, to get there. And he told me, he said, now, brother, we're a small work. I said, I don't care. God was in it. It was the will of God for me to be there. He opened the door. I went. I preached the word of God that he laid on my heart. I got a $25 love offering. But I wasn't caring about the love. So it actually cost me to go. The $25 love offering didn't, didn't put a dent in the meal that I fed my family getting ready to go, let alone the gas in a 15-passenger van, <laughs> one ton. 
But your heart, God will provide. If it's the will of God, he'll provide, even if you don't receive it. Even if you don't receive it of the place that you went to, he will send it by. If you don't receive it of Ephesus, he'll send it by Philippi. That's principle. And so the, the teaching that has gotten into among some of the preachers, I wonder how many, if somebody, we got in a big, big preacher's meeting, I mean just chock full of preachers out there, Somebody get up there and preach, I have coveted no man's silver or gold or apparel. And then I have ministered unto my necessities to work among you. I ministered to my necessities to work among you. I wonder how that would go over some of those preaching meetings. Just saying. Like I said, I seen that this morning. That was extra. I wanted to share that with Chris for no, for no other, for me, or a reminder to me, and for instruction of Brother Chris. And the church, because he says, I've taught you in so doing that you ought to support the weak. And it is more blessed to give than to receive. So that's free. (laughs) Appreciate your time and attention. Look, we're going to battle. We've got to be strong. Got to be strong, got to be strong, got to be strong. When the flesh rises up against you, when... The, anything rises up against you that we, we, we've addressed to, to, to try to squash what God has put in your mind to do in your families this past week, then stay strong. And that's my message today. As we have a song of invitation.